Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. special day to be here and do this. And um, I've asked uh, my best friend uh, to come up here and be a part of this. We, we live together. We're not just friends because we're married. So we, this is my wife, Ashley, for those who don't know. And we are really excited uh, to share this moment with you, this Father's Day. And we want to just share a little bit about what our father, grandfathers have meant to us as we continue the Legacy series. We're kind of wrapping that up today. We started with Mother's Day, the Legacy of Grace, and we're finishing today the Legacy of Christ-likeness. And I shared from the beginning, Legacy isn't something we leave behind. Legacy is something we push others to. And so that's what this has been all about. And we want to share with you a little bit about what our fathers, grandfathers pushed us to. I'm actually using a Bible here this morning. This is my grandfather's Bible uh, that was given to him by my grandmother. And she wrote uh, to him, um, my beloved husband, for 58 years. This is about four years before he went to be with Jesus. She said, thank you for your Christ-like witness and your unfailing love. This is really powerful. This is so exciting to be able to use this. I also, um, also have with me my, my dad's Bible um, from me. I didn't even know we did this, I don't think. Um, but me, my mom, my brothers, on Father's Day, June 15, 1986. So this is special for us. You have... Special Bibles too, don't you? I do. I have my grandfather's Bible. Um, he passed away in 2015, and I was looking through it last night, and it's filled. Just He circles and writes notes and dates next to scriptures where God called um, him just praying over people. And, and I found it last night. Um, he had a little sheet of paper in there printed out of all the names of his children, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And um, one thing I knew about my papa is no matter where we were, he was praying for us every single morning. Um, he couldn't sleep long, so he would often get up at three o'clock in the morning and sit in his recliner and just begin his prayers over his children and his grandchildren. I was just in tears last night just seeing that. I've had these for a long time, but just a reminder of the godly heritage that I have. And um, my dad gifted me his uh, preaching Bible on my 30th birthday. Um, it was his Bible that he had gotten on his 30th birthday. And in it um, was a letter. And he said, this is the Bible I used for my personal devotions and public preaching while you were growing up in our home. 
I've treasured it over the years and hated to retire it when it became a bit fragile for daily use. Recently, I recommissioned it for use while I was writing my morning blog. It is a portion of my youth that I would love for you to have. The names have faded and some pages have fallen out, but the word of God remains unchanged. I've been impressed to give it to you as a personal gift on your 30th birthday. May it be a token of my love and my efforts to prepare myself on a daily basis to be the kind of daddy you needed to guide you where you are today. Mm. And I, both of us want to encourage, I'm, Caitlin kind of hit the nail on the head this morning, where we know today can be a hard day. We know not everybody um, may have had the fathers and the grandfathers that we had. Um, we know that many have gone on to heaven, and um, we know that this is just going to be a hard day in general. Um, obviously, you guys know what we have gone through. We thought this would be Brent's first Father's Day. So we understand, but I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity to hear from your Heavenly Father this morning um, that no matter where you are, um, God sees you, and He has a perfect plan for you. Mm. We, yeah, what a privilege. Yeah, this was supposed to be my first Father's Day, right? Mother's Day was supposed to be your first. But God has great plans. God has a beautiful work in our lives. And so we can stand here and still celebrate you and not be bitter about that because God is so good to us and we don't miss that for a second. And the only reason we don't miss that is because we have a godly legacy. Parents, grandparents that told us, keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what. You have that same privilege, that same responsibility. So we want to walk through Philippians 2 this morning and look at the Christ-like example set for us, and not just how dads follow through on that, but all of us. We're all called to this example, this legacy of Christ-likeness. So if you'll start with us in Philippians 2, we're going to go 5 verses 5 through 11. We'll put these uh, scripture on the screen as well. Starting verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. Meaning, this is the way you should think. Meaning, your attitude should be the same as Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding us, the Apostle Paul is reminding us, we should have this mind. This is the way we should think. Just like Jesus did. We're going to get into what Jesus did, but I would start here this morning that Jesus's focus was singular. He had one mission. He had one purpose, and it was the redemption of mankind. It was salvation for us. And so all the things that Jesus did, the way he acted, the way he thought, where he went, how he dressed, what he ate, the people's houses he went to, everything set forth by Jesus for us was singularly focused. It was to pursue the heart of God, to do what he was sent to do. That was to make us one with God. Our focus requires a singular purpose, to love and know Jesus, and to be motivated by nothing more than what Jesus wants for us. That is where Christ-likeness starts for us. We're not limited by what we can or cannot do. Listen to this carefully. 
We're not limited by what we cannot do. We are limited, you ready? We're limited by sin. We have other things that get in the way of our calling and our purpose. We have other things that stand in the way of who God wants us to be. But having the mind of Christ means that we are committed to His way, not our way. And the thing that keeps us from being and knowing His way is sin. It's not just bad choices. It's not just distraction. It's sin. That's what limits it. Doesn't just, it's not just a barrier. It freezes us in our tracks. This is why we're commanded to follow the way of Jesus, to know his way, to be like Christ, to have his mind. When we understand that everything that happens to us is for the purpose of making us like Jesus, watch this. It resolves all anxiety in us. Is that fair? Is that true? What do you think? You have thoughts about that? I think that um, you hit the nail on the head that we have a heavenly father that um, we can be comforted, like we can run to him. Those, those anxieties are immediately eliminated when that happens. Mm-hmm. And I had an earthly father um, that helped me with that. And we hope today that you walk away with some tangible things. So I know it can be difficult when you have toddlers. What does that look like? Um, one of the things my dad did once a week was take my sister and I to breakfast on separate days. And that was our time with him uninterrupted. And what started out as... Um, you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite cartoon? Um, you know, and he got woe burned out on McDonald's and Burger King, or Burgie King, as my sister called it. Um, but I have memories. This actually happened. My dad started it when we lived in Borger. And um, I drive by that McDonald's and think fondly of that time with him. But it eventually turned into... Um, quality time as I grew older, it turned into deeper conversations about God. And what he was doing was planting those seeds so that I would run to him with those questions that I had about life or about God or about difficulties. They became a safe haven to run to. And so that when I was 13 and I started doubting my salvation. Well, who did I go to? I went to my earthly father, who then pointed me to my heavenly father. And then in our teenage years, when I started butting heads, you know, he, uh, my poor mom was in the middle of that, but we learned to work through that together. Um, And so then in my 20s, when I went to him for advice, it turned into, what do you think God's telling you to do? Mm -hmm. And he had spent that time nurturing that relationship so that I began to turn still to my earthly father, but he pointed me to my heavenly father because he said, you have that still small voice in you. You know how to hear him. You know those decisions that need to be made. I'm just here to help support. Mm. We, we had very different types of fathers and grandfathers. So Ashley's father was a preacher, pastor. Her grandfather was a preacher, pastor. My dad and my grandfather were postmen. But at the same time, they all delivered the mail. Amen? Her dad and granddad delivered the mail of God's Word to people daily. Spoke it, believed it, lived it out. 
My dad, my grandfather, literally delivered the mail. But as they did it, they lived for Jesus. My dad would spread the newspaper out all over the kitchen table. I'm not exactly sure what he did or why he did this, but my dad literally, this is so weird, he's not Hebrew, he was very American, right? And he read the newspaper from the back to the front. Never, ever understood that. But that's what he did. And I even told him one time, I was like, Dad, you know, they start the stories at the beginning and then they continue them. He goes, no, I figured it out. (laughs) Fair enough. He knew what he was doing. But underneath that newspaper, my dad's Bible was always sitting like this. My very quiet, very soft-spoken, very introverted, very peaceable Dad spent time with God every morning in his word. And then the newspaper was secondary. I learned from that. I learned watching my very quiet, humble, uh, introverted dad just love Jesus the way he was supposed to. Ephesians 4.15 tells us, we speak the truth in love so that we can grow up into Him who is in Christ Jesus. We we are following Jesus in the way we should go. Whatever that looks like. You may have had godly parents, godly example. You may have not had that. You may have had faithful, Christ-serving, Christ-honoring family. You may not have had that. Whatever it looks like, you and I still are called to have the mind of Christ and to grow up into Him who is the head, into Christ. That's our calling. That's our privilege. That's our responsibility. So after telling us to have the mind of Jesus, he goes on in verse 6 to say, who, Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not consider His equality, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. We will never be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So He is like God. He is with God in heaven. He didn't consider that a thing to be grasped. We will never be transformed into that kind of likeness with Jesus or conformed into His image until, watch this, until we stand in awe of His holiness. There's a beautiful book called Awe Mm -hmm. by Paul Tripp. I highly encourage you to grab that. And it talks about we are wired to be in awe of creation. We have beautiful things all around us, but ultimately we're to be in awe of our Creator. And anything that distracts us, that's not pointing us to the creator. So we're wired naturally for that. He even says, every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and hungry heart. You see it all around us. People are yearning for something and they're trying to find it in the universe, in the energy around you. Well, you're searching for the God of the universe. You're searching for the Holy One. So that's built in us 
to be hungry for that. Doesn't mean that we can't be in awe of the beautiful creation around us, but it should, should point us to our Heavenly Father. Mm, it's so good. So Jesus has this mind, this way that we're commanded to be like Jesus. And then he says, Jesus, who did not consider his equality with God as something to be grasped, right? So he had all he needed and everything he needed to know. He was perfect in that. We are not. So we have to be transformed into that. We have to be made into that. 2 Corinthians 3.18 reminds us, we have all had our faces veiled. Like it, we, we can't display the goodness of God because we don't fully understand the goodness of God. But when Jesus came in, we have had the veil removed so that we might be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. We have this mind of Jesus because it's the only thing in us that really counts. Everything else is just extra daily duty, kind of going through life, figuring stuff out. But the glory of God comes into our lives to reveal the character of the heart of Jesus. That's what he wants us to be. That's what leaving a legacy of Christ-likeness is all about. It's removing the veil, letting our children, grandchildren, the people we live with, work with, serve with our neighbors, see the glory of God in us. But we can't live that and experience that until we experience the awe of God's holiness. That's what this is about. Verse 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8, he goes on to say, But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. What? The king of the universe? Colossians says everything that was made was made by him and for him. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men, verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ-likeness, watch this, this is important. Christ-likeness does not happen automatically for us by imitation. The Scripture is clear to us. Follow God. Ephesians 5 tells us to be imitators of God. But Christ-likeness does not happen automatically by imitation. It happens unquestionably by intimacy, through intimacy. When we know Jesus, then we begin to understand Jesus. When we begin to understand Jesus, then we want the world to know how good he is. So it's not just doing Jesus' things that make us uh, special and important and useful to God. It's intimacy with God. That's what he loves. How do we get there? My grandfather spent his most of his adult life traveling, um, teaching people how to pray. And I know that sounds, may sound silly. Well, you just pray. Well, I think a lot of us build it up into some, you know, 
ethereal, has to be a holy moment, and, and really it's just a conversation between a child and a heavenly father. And he said, but prayer is the intimate communication between the heavenly father and his child. That's all it is. Super simple. Doesn't have to be a carved out moment in your day. It can be a constant communication. That lifeline is open 24 seven. I can't tell you how many times I pray about the little things to the big things, no matter where I am in life. I do believe he cares about the little things as simple as finding my keys or helping me figure out how to get the vacuum cleaner working, whatever it is, he cares, he cares. I even had um, one of my employees share that. She's like, I couldn't, I couldn't get my, my, my patio furniture to, to work and I just, I just started praying. And then lo and behold, everything started fitting together and molding together. And I just think he cares. He's in the details. Mm. You see that. Mm. But he cares about those big things too. Mm. And it shouldn't stop us from just being in communication with him. When you're in your car, when it's quiet, um, when you're at home by yourself, when you're laying in bed and can't sleep, it's just as simple as talking to your very best friend. So... What I'm hearing and what I, what I believe also. So our children, grandchildren, the people around us, they're watching all the time. And so we, as legacy leavers, we have this opportunity to either leave behind this legacy that when you get angry, frustrated, it's okay to throw a shoe at the dog. Or the first place I'm going to turn is to the heart of God. That's legacy, right? The other is an example that doesn't always tell the whole story of who we are, who we want to be. But prayer turns us into something radically different. In fact, I would say this about prayer. Prayer is us so trusting the heart of a God who is loving and kind and compassionate enough to radically transform who you think thought you could be. What comes out when we're squeezed is what's on the inside. And if we live in this place of anger, we live in a place of hurt, we live in a place of abandonment or isolation, what comes out is that. But when we view God as a loving gracious, kind, compassionate, loving Father who saved me from what I was supposed to become and turned me into something much more profoundly beautiful in His eyes. What comes out then is His love, His goodness, His mercy, His justice, His peace, His faithfulness, and His self-control. You need help with that? Yeah, His (laughs) self-control. I need help with it every day. Every day. One of the tangible things, please hear us, we know we're not parents, but one of the things that our parents did was as simple as when, when your children are born to you, they come connected to you. They're just naturally connected. But the whole goal is to start unplugging them away from you into the Heavenly Father. So my parents spent that time, you know, much like he said, he saw his dad early in the morning with the paper and the Bible. Well, my dad, every morning, made us get up before school and have devotionals together as a family. 
well, I had to be at school at 7.15 in the morning, so that means we, ha- we had to be downstairs at 6 a.m. Can I tell you how much I did not like that? I did not like that. I'm not a morning person. I'm still not a morning person. Mm-hmm. So you're just drudging down there and reading Proverbs and then a Psalms, and then you're having to talk about it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I just want to <laughs> get out of here. But that, that, those little bitty habits instilled in me the habit to this very day. What do I go to? I go to Psalms and Proverbs. And if you're wondering, where do I even start? Well, there's 31 Proverbs. Most, day, most months have 31 days in a month. Simply read a proverb a day, and God will speak. Simply read a psalm a day, God will speak. And so they began slowly unplugging me from them into the Holy Father so that I ran to him for that advice. Mm-hmm. I ran to him for that intimate communication. Mm-hmm. We have the mind of Christ so that we can recognize who He is, His goodness. And then the verses we're in right now remind us that Jesus did all that. He abandoned His rightful place. And He came to earth, became like us, so that we could have intimacy with Him. Because now we see and understand He's been through what we've been through. He's hurt the way we've hurt. He's experienced the things of earth that we've experienced. And we want to know Him because He's walked the path before us. And he set an example for us. And then he promised us in Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see who? God. He set that example for us. So that, you have something? Okay. So that, verses 9 and 10, because Jesus did that and died the death on the cross as a human for us, therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We we become, we become like whatever we worship. Whatever it is we worship on this earth, that's what we become like. And so we can become like the things in our life that fill voids in our lives temporarily. If that's what we worship, money, resources, finances, the house we live in, the job we have, the car we drive, if those are the things that are most important to us in our lives, then we're stuck in a temporary vacuum. We're never going to get beyond and become who God wants us to be. But if we worship a true living God that has a name above all other names, and we see Him and stand in awe of Him and who He is, and when we worship, when we come into this room and we worship, and we can't help but be filled and satisfied with the heart and the goodness of God. And therefore, when we sing, we're just giving it all to Him. We're becoming like Jesus. That's what He wants for us. That's who He wants us to be. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I love the Passion translation of that. It says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. You're sitting in a position, I mean, that tells me that my words matter, 
what I say matters, what you speak over your family, your loved ones Mm -hmm. matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've heard me sing the song, I Speak Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're, you're speaking over them. You're singing over them. You are speaking life over them. They are, all of us have death spoken over us every day of our lives. Mm-hmm. But we have the power to change the direction of those words and speak life and reverse those curses. Mm-hmm. Paul Tripp also says in that book, oh, we need to do everything we can to put the glory of God and his grace before our children so that the awe of God would rule over mm-hmm. their hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus never expected you and me to simply be people who turn the other cheek or people who go the second mile or people who give the shirts off of our back. That was a drop in the bucket of what he wanted for us. What Jesus wanted for us to see was his glory as the Son of God worthy of our praise, who became flesh to identify with us so that we could then be intimate and imitate His full Godness and appreciate His humanity so that we could appreciate and be thankful that He left heaven so that we could have His mind and His way and His heart. I just kind of went backwards through the passage to remind us Jesus didn't just command us to do something. He called us to something. And that was grace and mercy and love and justice and forgiveness to live like Him. That's Christ-likeness. That's why He put the people in your lives He did so that you can set the pace for them. Not just children and grandchildren, but everybody that's around you. Not just dads. All of us. We have a special calling on our lives. This is a, this is a great privilege. He's made us a new person. Because before Him, we weren't capable of being and seeing all that. He made us a new person so that others could also see. And the legacy keeps going. Jesus keeps flowing through us and through our family. As the worship team comes up, I want to share a quote from C.S. Lewis, and then Ashley's going to close us out. C.S. Lewis said it this way, putting on Christ is not among many jobs a Christian has to do. And it's not a sort of special exercise that it's the top of class. Putting on Christ is the whole of Christianity. Putting on Christ offers nothing else at all. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's all about following and knowing Jesus. Isaiah 43, 19 says to forget the former things, forget the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And just like we said at the beginning of this message this morning, just like Caitlin said at the welcome, we know this day can be hard. 
but you have a heavenly father waiting with open arms to heal those wounds. Mm-hmm. You literally have the ability to change the trajectory mm-hmm. of your family's life today. Mm-hmm. To change generation after generation after generation to either speak life or speak death. Mm-hmm. Psalms 145.5 says, generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Mm. What do you want your generations after you to look like? Mm. You have the ability to change that today. Mm. And if you have missed out on an opportunity to know your heavenly father, you have the opportunity to come and to find him today. If you've had a broken relationship with your earthly father, you have the opportunity to find healing today. Mm. Your heavenly father wants to take those wounds and to take those hurts and to heal you and to offer life and life abundantly. Mm. Samuel Chagwit says, it's amazing what God can do with a broken heart when you give him all the pieces. Mm. And that's what we want you to do today. And if your life is great and you've got great things going on, celebrate that today. Rejoice in that. Having a heart of gratitude can literally change the direction of your day and your generations after you. It's our desire today that you come, as the prayer team comes, that you find people who want to pray with you and pour life into you and speak life and to encourage you. And if you need to find that relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to lead you to him. Mm. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your hope. God, I pray for the people in this room today. No matter if they had a difficult childhood or a beautiful childhood, that they would be able to celebrate you. God, we pray for healing this morning. We pray for hope. We pray for lives to be changed and for generations thereafter to be changed. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.